The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Seven minutes after eight it is here on AM Live. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. It's time for the Forum at 8. Now, um, last year, I'm sure I don't have to remind you, was quite eventful in Parliament. And uh, this year has gotten off to an equally eventful start. The economic freedom fighters have vowed to disrupt the State of the Nation address by President Jacob Zuma, which uh, should take place, which will take place in Parliament next month. Now, this after Speaker of Parliament, Balekambete, turned down their request to schedule a session with the President prior to the official opening of Parliament. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we look at how Parliament will deal with EFF's threat and exactly how the economic freedom fighters are planning to disrupt proceedings of the opening of Parliament. And we invite you, because we know you have been wanting to get in on this particular discussion, so the lines are open 891 You can start dialing immediately. EFF, they were supposed to come on. They have since... Uh, decided that uh, they will not be participating in this discussion but we are continuing this discussion with Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Mr. Lichisa Jinudi. Thanks for coming through this morning. Thank you very much, Sakina. Now, last year was of course a very, very eventful but, you know, just walk us through the opening of Parliament, because it is a special sitting of both the Houses, the National Assembly, as well as the National Council of Provinces. But how is it different from ordinary sittings in both these Houses? Not only is it a sitting of uh, the National Assembly and the National Council of Provinces, uh, the judiciary also comes in and it is one time when the three arms of the state are together under the same roof to listen to the head of state. So this is what makes it a very different uh, environment to the ordinary sittings of the House, in that it means that the two arms of the state are coming together to come and uh, listen to the president give an overview of the state of the nation as we begin the year. And so the the significance is not only that, but also that it, it, it launches the program of parliament uh, so to speak, the president requests firstly to do that, and then subsequently his State of the Nation address is also debated immediately afterwards, so that various political parties uh, did not just only come to listen, but also they enter the debate to talk about the assessment the president has placed before the nation about what are the issues, what are the concerns, and what are the things that are going to be happening according to government. And so the members of parliament then enter the debate uh, in after the president has laid it down for us mm. and um, just looking at you know the proceedings and the order of proceedings on that particular day can yes. you just walk us through for the benefit of those who have not had the opportunity because very often when we do broadcast it is usually just the president's speech but yes. uh, everything else that goes into the preparation for that moment okay in the first place Sakina uh, this the process of preparation of the State of uh, Nation Address begins actually even before the, the, the previous year ends, so that the, the identification of the organization of the event on the day is gone through uh, det- in a detailed manner, so, so that various parts of, the, of, the, of Parliament as a whole, both the National Council of Provinces and the National Assembly, uh, the procedural people, the the people responsible for 
protection services and uh, overall security and uh, invitations to guests. Uh, they are often notified in advance uh, to indicate uh, they are coming and so on. So this uh, invitation of guests, including uh, we have the largest uh, presence of foreign embassies in our country, second only to Washington in the world. So those embassies too also would like to come and hear uh, on behalf of their countries what South Africa is going to be doing in the next year. So its significance uh, uh, is that that those kind of issues must be looked at, the numbers and who specifically is going to be coming, in what capacity, and the various other people in society, uh, business, labor, uh, non-governmental organizations, uh, uh, veterans uh, in the in the environment as a whole, and other guests, including foreign guests, other than uh, uh, diplomats, other foreign guests who are in the country or who specifically come in to visit and so on. They often indicate this far in advance that uh, we will be in South Africa, we would like to be invited to the State of the Nation Address. And this is why one of the things that we do is the question of security. Because we've got visitors who are ordinarily not there, uh, so that we must assure them that uh, their their place during a very significant thing will be uh, they will be safe. They will be able to enjoy both the form uh, of the event, but also the content as well. Because the the state of the nation address does not only attract interest in what the president is going to say, but an opportunity for the public in its variety of forms, comments on that state of the nation address. So people have come to listen, not only who come practically, physically, but also outside of the world. Uh, the world is interested in uh, in what South Africa is doing, where it is headed to, and um, you can't believe the interest that is generated uh, worldwide by that kind of event. Mm. I think, uh, And this is why, as presiding officers in the House... This is for us one of the most nerve-wracking events for which we have to prepare to prepare for and ensure that all goes according to plan. Uh, because sometimes organizing such a huge event uh, is itself a very important uh, event. But let me also state, uh, Sakina, I come from local government, and one of uh, my uh, responsibility of the minister of Cocte is uh, disaster management. Any event of that magnitude immediately requires the involvement of people right at the top of the disaster management. And it means the, the coming together of various players. Uh, they set up what we call a, a joint operating center. In other words, the police, the army, the, the, uh, def- the, the various protective and organizations, Department of Health, uh, the Department of Social Development, so that uh, any such event that requires the, the magnitude of organization and brings in that number of people in the same space, everything is done for them to be protected. And in the event of anything happening, that uh, the the institution will have prepared for those eventualities mm. and so on. So it's a very significant place in any country as well. Is it any more nerve-wracking this year, given um, the letter that was sent by the EFF uh, to the Speaker of Parliament? And also, will this have a bearing on uh, increased security detail, for example, for this year's SONA? 
Well, Sakina, we, we hope that uh, members of parliament who are making such threat, as uh, Madam Speaker said to them in a letter, will desist from doing that. Because often uh, those kind of things, they complicate uh, the preparations, okay? Because we've got structures in parliament that are responsible for managing those processes. In other words, this is not just the presiding officers. Political parties have a responsibility to act uh, to ensure that things goes according to plan. There are whips, uh, and this is the role of whips in each political party to ensure the general discipline of members of parliament so that they go according to the rules and conventions of this event. So, yes, it is a worrying thing that that thing happens because uh, any responsible government would take such uh, government would take such threats seriously because it's threats aimed at the president. It goes outside of parliament. Uh, Parliament itself has a responsibility. We are the hosts. The president has requested the sitting. So we have to take uh, uh, measures to ensure that nothing happens and disrupt the proceedings of this Mm. one. So our our hope is that uh, we will be able to, to prevail on all members of parliament to ensure that that event goes without a hitch. So just on a point of clarity before I go to the lines, the request was that Parliament be reconvened before the State of the Nation address delivered by President Jacob Zuma, as I understand it. Yes, yes. Now, why was that request not granted? Talk us through the Speaker's decision in not granting that request. No, no, I can't do that. The, The reason I stated, every beginning of the year has to begin in the usual manner unless there's an extraordinary event that uh, prevents that from happening, that an extraordinary sitting must be called. Uh, probably in her, in her estimation, that, uh, that event does not exist. There are enough opportunities in Parliament at a variety of times for the debate and for the President to take on questions and those kind of things. So, uh, for example, I have said that the President will be coming in his position as the state uh, President. He promptly comes back for the debate, sits in there. So every opportunity will be there for people to raise their consent. Secondly, the president comes back uh, later uh, during the presentation of the budget in February. Uh, And he then follows that with his presence again to present his budget. Now coming as head of government, right, not as head of state to present the budget of his office. In other words, everything that has to do with what's happening in the presidency as a whole. And those, all of those things, those instances of the presence of the president in the House, in the opinion of the Speaker, are opportunities for all members of Parliament to engage with the president in a variety of ways, including when he does come for questions and answers. We can't always want to have what we want when we want, irrespective of everything else around us. So all political parties engage in a programming and scheduling process to ensure that those things that are done when the programming meetings are held, are held as it has often also come into the public sharply that the programming committee must meet. The speaker can't do that uh, without having, uh, if there's agreement and there's extraordinary uh, conditions apply, uh, call for such a sitting. So in this instance, uh, the, the the indication has been that the, let's work cooperatively on these matters. 
there is enough possibilities uh, for questions to be raised at an appropriate time. Mm, but the issue has been raised. And uh, how are the rules of Parliament going to assist you in dealing with the eventuality, uh, should it arise, of uh, someone interrupting the President while he is delivering the State of the Nation address? Uh, Sakina, let us first say that we hope we do not have to come to that because it would not be appropriate because not only is the is the convention understood and when we arrived as MPs because as we arrived every time we are taken through induction processes and so on and it is a political process that the institution operates uh, cooperatively by the there are 13 other political parties for example in parliament mm. who must engage in the discussions about what happens and how it happens so the the induction about what happens in parliament overall uh, so that you can get your turn at an appropriate time to raise what you want in ways that perhaps other political parties may not have want to is provided for in the conventions in parliament just to illustrate this well, in in one debate uh, two uh, chief whips rises in the house and the, the the chief whip of the freedom fund decides to defer to the chief whip of the uh, biggest opposition party uh, the chief whip of the opposition of of the DA in the house and we inquire about that and he reminds us the of the of the freedom fund that this is convention i'm just mm. uh, deferring to convention this is how we do things in the house in other words where it is appropriate uh, the conventions define what happens. Not everything is in the rule, has to be in the rule. Uh, but even but in are the conventions binding? No, the conventions, uh, this, if, you, if you disregard the conventions, then you invite uh, the authority of the speaker to come into play because the speaker seeks to get out of the way so that as many of what happens is by agreement by political parties. But the speaker has authority to grant uh, uh, to listen to what people want to do and if it is not procedural, if it is not a matter that is uh, provided for by agreement in convention, then the Speaker has authority to prevent that from, from, from happening. Let's go to Hussein in Peter Maritzburg. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? Good, good, good. And good morning to the Deputy Speaker. Good morning, sir. Good morning. So, um, just, just two comments, actually. Uh, you know, the, the highlights of last year were actually just two things, you know, for me. One was the Parliament uh, channel, and, uh, you know, we spent lots of time, you know, uh, watching the Parliament channel at night, especially. And then the other one is, you know, the, the famous word of honorable members, you know, that has stuck in. Uh, with, <laughs> in, in, in as far as our working environment is, you know, so everybody's starting to use this here. I think it's the most popular, uh, most popular word now that, that the people are using, but nevertheless, my, my suggestion is, uh, why don't we, as, as ANC, get rid of the speaker and replace her with, with the Honorable Deputy Speaker, because the Honorable Deputy Speaker is much more versatile much more educated, you know, and, and much more calmer, you know, arrogant in the, in the deputy speaker. So my suggestion is that maybe what you call it, uh, that, will, that, will, that will solve 90% of our problems in the parliament, because you can see a lot of people, uh, especially AFS, uh, are having issues in relating 
with the speaker. So my suggestion is that maybe what you call it, get together with our speakers and, and get rid of the speaker, and then we can win three quarters of our battle. And then I hope so that EFF, EFF will also come in line, and uh, then they will also tow the uh, tow the line, okay. and they will they will discuss you know things uh, appropriately. Thank you so much, Hussein. Let's hear from Funani in East London. Good morning. Morning, Sakina, and greetings to the Deputy Speaker. Good. I think we can talk about Parliament itself and uh, what it seeks to achieve, whether it achieves it or not. But if we confine ourselves to the state of the nation, the question on my side is, what is there to lose if EFF disturbs the President from speaking or stops the entire thing from happening? My answer to the very same question is that we lose nothing. Because really, the state of the nation is intended to deliver nothing. I say it's intended to deliver nothing because in the past, I'm not sure how many years, from the time of President Mandela, Tamobin and the current president, there has never been anything that is achieved by the state of the nation. There are a few things that are pointers. If you're to watch your TV and you want to see what's happening or it's state of the nation, it's a fashion parade. We, we just want to see who's wearing what, who came with who in that state of the nation, who was wearing a, a very weird of dresses. It's, it's a party, a big party for MPs, lavish cocktails, a red carpet, and at the end of it all, it's a money-spending jamboree. It's not only confined to our national parliament as that big money-spending jamboree. It's repeated in provinces. The very same thing that we, we saw there, it happens. And then if you were to sit down and quantify, the Daily Dispatcher in East London, they did some exercise of saying in the Eastern Cape, how much is spent on the state of the province address. So if you are to say, let's do the cost-benefit analysis and say we spend so many millions, what is the benefit? Sagina and the listeners, Let's read the State of the Nation address, at least of the past five years, 2010. You'll notice that what the president has been saying is the same thing. He raised in 2010 the issue of electricity that we still don't have. He spoke about poverty that is still troubling us. He spoke about rural development. That is, we're still where we were then. Why, you see, the, the deputy speaker is saying, yes, there will be guests from so many countries. They will come listen. They don't care. Those people who come from wherever, in their countries, things happen. So we in this country, why are things not happening for us? So some of us in Azapo, we've been toying with this idea that we need parliament to have this jamboree. Why okay. is it that our parliament cannot open like all of us? Sakina, you come to work, you open, and there's nothing. So I don't believe that we need the State of the Nation address. Okay, that is Funani in East London. Lucky and Centurion, good morning. Uh, uh, good morning, SK. Uh, SK, I just want to say that, you know, I really sympathize with the EFF and all the, the opposition parties in Parliament. You listen to that uh, question and answering session of Jacob Zuma. He never answers any question from the opposition parties, really. I mean, if you look at it and see what he says, the only thing that he answers prepared questions from the ANC. And uh, I can understand why they actually frustrated. You know? I mean, even, even taking into consideration that he actually never appeared uh, for the other sessions that he was supposed to have with the parliament. And, uh, and, and, and I really understand the frustration why. Um, if really these people were really fair and really answering questions as, as when they put to, to us the president, I think this, we wouldn't be faced with this uh, threat from the EFF now. Okay, thanks, Lucky and Centurion. Felix in Nelspreit, good morning. Good morning, thank you for taking my call. 
Fatima, actually it is not the importance of uh, the state of the nation address that, that anybody can doubt, because I really believe it is important. But the issue is, are we really going to get any value from it? Now, we have a president who does not seem to know anything about the state of the nation. Take, for example, when a private jet landed in, uh, in, in water cruise, and we ask the president what happened, he does not seem to know anything that happened. When his private residence was renovated, he does not seem to know what happened, and our money was misspent. And not long ago, he talked about uh, ESCOM being a, a problem from hepatitis, only for ESCOM to come out and say it was lack of maintenance. We have a president who doesn't know anything about the state of the nation. So what is the point of him giving a state of the nation when he doesn't really know anything about the state of the nation? That's the question. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Felix, in Nelspreet. And, of course, we'll continue to take your calls after the news break. 891 is the number to dial. You can also SMS us on 34701, tweet or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM. And let me read a few tweets before um, we go to the news break, and then I'll give uh, the Deputy Speaker an opportunity to respond to what you've raised. Spiwo KZN says, as long as some uh, rules are still based on the majority rule, not on the strict application of the laws, then Pali is a farce. Sandy Lehoane says, uh, we'll not be told uh, by the failing government of the day how to oppose them. Godfrey says, if the deputy speak, ask the deputy speaker if EFF will be allowed to ask about Nkanda during the debate of the State of the Nation address since the president won't mention Nkanda in his speech. Kulu SD says, does this deputy speaker suggest that the opposition should halt their horses and not make the president, uh, hold the president accountable? Debza Mashiko says, uh, why don't they make sure that uh, Zuma accounts to parliament instead of them shielding him every time the question arises? Ndim says, can you ask the deputy speaker if it is parliamentary for speakers to say, uh, for the speaker to say that she doesn't recognize a member of parliament? And Jacques Cupido says, if EFF want to disrupt SONA 2015, they must be arrested. So those are some of your comments coming through. Do keep them coming at AM Live on SAFM. Uh, that's your Twitter and Facebook uh, handles. And you can also send it to me at Sakina Kamwendo. Alternatively, you can SMS us on 34701. Now, before we go back to the lines, um, Deputy Speaker, if we could just run through the comments that yes. were made. Let me try and do that uh, quickly, uh, Sakina. I hope I'll try and cover as many of them as possible. Um, firstly, yes, we one of the things that has happened in the past six months, we must we must appreciate that the because of the issues that are happening inside Parliament, uh, one of the callers says they are now watching it, and uh, we've got evidence to that effect, and uh, it has spent a very useful purpose for Parliament to be understood, for people to ask questions so that we have an opportunity to clarify. This is what is helpful for us. Um, uh, the question of uh, getting rid of the Speaker, the opposition parties used the rules in the House. They put up a, a motion of no confidence in the Speaker, and it was debated, and that motion was defeated in the House. I don't think... And that's the manner in which decisions are made inside Parliament. Uh, uh, Outside of Parliament, what people do to try and achieve that objective is another story altogether. We speak as presiding officers about the House and how decisions inside there are made. So once the decisions have been made inside Parliament, we assume that we must not go ahead 
You can't mm-hmm. keep bringing back a subject uh, that has been decided upon inside the House uh, for further debate. And I, I, would, I would really think that uh, let's respect the decisions that are taken inside the House. Uh, let me link that question to the question of the majority rule. We can't say on the one hand we uh, respect the Constitution and reject majority rule. Uh, what majority rule means the biggest party gets most seat in the House and as a result of that, they decide who becomes what in the House. This is majority rule that we said we like about the Constitution. The Constitution makes provision that the decisions are made on, a, on the basis of majority. In other words, uh, we say in other 50 plus 1, in every situation, even in stocks fails, uh, the voice of the majority prevails. Uh, and, but of course, uh, the, the institution operates in many instances on a number of issues, including in the hottest of debates. Uh, uh, for example, on the 21st of August, on the day that people refer to, the House unanimously agreed on the, on the treaty on the INGA project. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is significant. But not only that, all of us in the House uh, uh, stood before a judge and under, what is the word, uh, undertook uh, to obey uh, the Constitution and all other law, okay? And so in practice, it means we must do that. Even if we dislike them, if we want to change them, there are processes and structures inside Parliament of how we can arrive at those decisions. And if our decisions are not appropriate for whatever reason, and on procedural grounds, maybe that we also infringe the Constitution, the courts have often uh, uh, entered that debate. People have gone out there. We would rather prefer that this decision be made inside Parliament where we have structures for dealing with those things. Is there value in the State of the mm. Nation address? Absolutely. Uh, is there any benefit? Absolutely. This is how governance operates, that the head of state must present a view to the nation uh, based understandably on the views of his, in this instance, his political party uh, before parliament, and that is debated. After debating, that state of the nation address often, amongst other things, informs the allocation of the resources uh, that the country generates, the budget that is going to be announced later on. And that, too, subsequently is debated so that the work of government is informed in that way, debated appropriately in a democratic manner, and then the resources are allocated accordingly, which is also a, a matter for debate. So the value is in that there is absolutely uh, uh, where we should be focusing, not on the form. Of course, some people uh, protocol uh, in, in all institutions have their rituals of how they do things. Um, there are those those rituals that are conducted ahead of certain proceedings, certain events to mark uh, the beginning of the year and those kind of things. The costs, yes, absolutely. In fact, we we've no we, we no longer go to places we used to go to before. Uh, the event takes place within the precincts of parliaments. The budget for doing that has been cast dramatically. Mm. And so that we are ov- obviously sensitive to what it costs us to do that. But so that is there a need for that pomp and ceremony? Is it something that uh, we could do without? I have, I have pointed out that the, the, the rituals mm. uh, and those kind of things, this is what political parties agreed to. One of the things that I refer to is that 
the institutions as we inherit them. We do not uh, throw away everything else. Of course, uh, theoretically, yes, you are right, we could get rid of those things if we can get consensus that let's, let's trip uh, this thing of this and that. and so. But I think we are looking at the wrong place. You know, Sakina, when you check oil in your motor car, if you must check it, you must put your dipstick in the right place. If you put it in the wrong place, you are not going to get the correct measurement or any measurement for that thing. So our focus should be on uh, if we do not use uh, extravagant costs, that should be okay. Rituals are things that we conduct, including in our families, including publicly. But we must be particularly conscious of the cost to the public for conducting those rituals. We accept that criticism if it appears. But if it's members themselves and their own resources and what they are doing, we would prefer to be as simple as it would be for all of us and so on. But I think the, the focus is on the substance uh, that uh, we shouldn't allow the the form to 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 confuse the substantive matters that we should be focusing on and we want to believe that the institution provides the public because the public uh, is intelligent what what is said in the state of the national address in the debates that are conducted the public is listening and they're able to express their views and in the past just in may last year they expressed their views in a contested elections to say who they view and what what how they uh, uh, so to speak decide how that process must go forward all right we, can i can i can i just um uh respond to this uh, we are often ourselves frustrated but because there, there there's a rule in how we must do things uh, whether in the house even in society as a whole there are limits to these things for example in the house, we are not allowed. We have a, MPs are given freedom of speech, so you can say anything. So you can't be uh, Sakina charged criminally or civilly as MPs. This is a privilege we enjoy as MPs. Mm. But the constitution says that we are given that privilege on condition that we have rules that govern uh, uh, the work inside uh, 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 parliament, so that. Because we cannot be charged, we must not use, for example, offensive language. All right? Mm. We must also, and that's how we limit that freedom of speech, that we must not use offensive language. We must not, use, we must not comment, for example, on matters before the courts comment on their merits or demerits and, and predict their outcomes and that kind of thing because we would be interfering in another arm of states uh, uh, affairs, what they are responsible for. So we limit freedom of speech in that manner. So if we if we do not do that, then we 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 we, we risk uh, uh, creating problems for the judiciary and how it relates to us. So the the separation of powers is an important principle which is in the constitution. If the constitution says we must respect it, this is one of the ways in which we must respect it. We must respect the rules that we ourselves as different uh, political parties in the House agree to and we must follow mm. that process. Yeah. Just a quick one here from Pila. Pila says, yes. uh, speaking of rules, what are the rules governing conduct during SONA and sanctions for breaking conventions? Uh, uh, Parliament has a responsibility to create committees. One of those committees is a committee of discipline. Uh, 
Uh, one of those committees, for example, in the in Parliament that we've set up is the Powers and Privileges uh, Committee to consider uh, violations of the rules that have not been dealt with immediately in the House. The Speaker has authority uh, to to uh, uh, punish uh, members or presiding officers to punish members when they offend uh, inside the House. But if they if the 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 offence is of such magnitude that it cannot be handled inside the House. It is then referred for consideration uh, in a subcommittee of the House, and that is uh, set up according to the rules. So that's that's where those matters are dealt with. So nobody, at least the members of Parliament, can't yes. be criminally charged. They will be dealt with in accordance with the laws of for, the institution. Yeah, for what they said in the House, yes. Yes. And for their conduct in yes. the house. Yes, yes. All right. Yes. yes. Let, let's go back to the lines. 0891-104-208. We are speaking to uh, Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Mr. Lichisa Tsunodi. And uh, let's go to Sichaba in Mombela. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Ms. K. How are you? Well, and you? Uh, good morning also to the Deputy Speaker. I think the EFF will be taking a nine-wise approach if they were to stop the state of the nation address because when the pres- when President Zuma is speaking in, in during the, the sauna, he will be speaking as the president of the country and not as the president of the ANC. So as South Africans, we are entitled to hear the plans of government in the in, in, in the new year so that we can know what is what is to be expected from government. And if the EFF wants to stop it, that will be a very non-wise approach, but that is what is to be expected from them because they are known for taking non-wise approach. And then the issue that they are referring to, what if the president will be addressing it during the state of the nation address? It will be like they are preventing him to address things that they are particularly concerned about. I think the ESF need to be so by taking an approach that will enable all South Africans to listen to what government plans for, for, for us in the new year so that we can uh, uh, hold government accountable and so forth. And if they want to debate issues, there are no there are known platforms in, in in parliament that could be used to address whatever concerns that they might have if it is legitimate. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Sichaba and Mbombela. Let's go to Kifilwe and Soweto. Good morning. Hi, 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 Sakina. Uh, I want to say to you, to the deputy speaker. Number one, I think it's pointless for us having an opposition because if. Let me tell you, those people, they wear those hats and those two pieces. When they say, who says yes, they just wake up and put up their hands. So we always have a 51% plus. That's number one. Number two, the state of the nation address, with due respect, it's such a waste of money because half the time you don't even know if the person who's reading this thing understands what he is saying. So, you know, you can, that's, but however... I think the EFF also needs to organize themselves. Firstly, they need to get themselves educated. We need, they need to go there with a proper part. The state of the nation address is a waste of money and a waste of time because it's just hogwash. I don't even know why we're having it. Until we have somebody who understands what they are reading and what they are saying. Hmm. Okay, Kifilwe and Soweto. Let's hear from Mike in Middleburg. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Sakina and your guest, and thanks a million for taking my call. Uh, Sakina uh, is disturbing that uh, there are people who do not understand um, 
what the State of the Nation address is all about. Because you are talking here about uh, a speech or a document that is well-researched, that uh, sets the tone for provinces and localities. That is why, Sakina, it is accessible thereafter, so that uh, provinces and localities can reprioritize and strategize around it. That is why the development that you will see at your locality will be informed probably by reprioritization and thanks to the State of the Nation address. And I think research has shown that uh, uh, our lives are better off than what uh, they were, you know, before 1994. And thanks to the State of the Nation address, you know, starting from uh, the late uh, President Nelson Mandela until thus far. And lastly, Sakina, I want to say threats by EFF to disrupt, I think uh, that will only increase viewership. I do not see them succeeding. Uh, their numbers really will not assist them to, to disrupt, and I think uh, law enforcement will be at hand. All Thank right. You. That's Mike in Middleburg. Kaya and Hoffmeyer, good morning. Good morning, Sister Kena, and good morning to the deputy speaker. Uh, I just want to agree with the two latter speakers, specifically to say President Jacob Zuma is the president of South Africa, and therefore he has to make sure that the state of the nation or the nation is having a direction to follow as the country. So he is a state president, he's a sitting state president, he is not there by mistake. He was voted by us and by millions of South Africa to be where he is. So he must address the nation with or without the economic freedom fighters. Because we're not here, we're not existing because the EFF wants us to exist or not. This is a country that is in good order. This is a country that is under the leadership of the ANC. So the president must address us. We're waiting eagerly for his state of the nation address. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kaya. And a few more uh, messages coming through on the social media platforms on SMS. This one says, the deputy speaker is himself an ANC appointee. The rules and conventions are all in interpreted and enforced in favor of the ruling party. Stanley says, I don't agree uh, with the president avoiding questions, but the state of the nation address is a national pride and must be respected. Temba says, I think EFF and ANC are in in, in cahoots. Zuma can now find a way to excuse himself from opposition asking due to threats. And then Mzugisi Ekailicha says, can you ask your guest, is uh, Zuma going to pay the money that he stole from the poor people in this country? Wow, Mzugisi. Mashifane says, EFF stands for the voiceless and therefore they are correct to command uh, those who are in authority to be accountable for their deeds. And Claire in George says, the EFF has pulled out of the debate probably because uh, Rantings is their strong suit not logic. Dick in Santon says, why can't the president make his speech on TV and radio? We have a financial crisis in this country and this will save millions of taxpayers' money. Then on our Facebook page, Damien Mayer says, why threaten? Ban him ASAP. And um, Mtandeni Senior, welcome Mlambo from Port Shepson in KZN says, we cannot allow these people to stop our president we voted for him and we voted him into parliament. Togazani Duma says, disruption of the procession of the opening of parliament is uncalled for. The EFF and the opposition should explore legitimate and civil mechanisms that will be used to solve the Nkandla issue. Any act or threat of disruption will dent the opposition. To the president, if you're going to pay, 
indicate when and how even 10 rand monthly can put this drama to an end and uh, if you are not uh, paying say so Dumisane Dukes Mukwena, the speaker has to make it clear to all members of EFF that any disruptions will not be tolerated. They must be chased away or prevented from entering parliament. And Spiwe Keswa says the speaker's reason for the president not coming for questions was that the environment is not conducive for him to come. Now the question is, is the environment conducive now? So those are some of the questions coming through. And we're talking about the opening of Parliament, the State of the Nation Address 2015 this morning on the Forum at 8, speaking to the Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Mr. Lichisa Chinuri. And uh, just a few more uh, tweets uh, as you answer the questions that have been put to you. Uh, Guanele says, A disruption of President Zuma's Sona speech won't make any sense, but it will only bring us back to the days of hooliganism. Uh, Martin says, the SONA impacts uh, either negatively or positively on the country and that's why it's important for the pres- president to talk undisturbed. 2015 Let's Go says, uh, so all the people in South Africa who don't want SONA don't want to know what government is planning and then they will cry corruption afterwards. And King Zwide says, we are tired of being told what needs to be done. We want to see delivery do away with this useless sonar. So those are some of the comments. All right. So, you know, I think the, the first point to make is the following one, that when we enter dialogue, ordinarily, uh, whether it's political, social, in, in whatever environment, uh, we enter it on the understanding that our views might, might be embraced completely, agreed to, or they might be amended because we don't hold the monopoly of wisdom. Uh, there are others with different views. And thirdly, our views might be completely rejected by by the people with whom we are dialoguing. So we have to enter any dialogue with that understanding. If we enter it on the basis that our views must be accepted, whatever the circumstances, my way or the highway, that's not a that's not a way in which we can solve problems. Because otherwise it leads to creating an environment for, in the extreme, people using violence, in the extreme, people being killed because you differed with them, you did not agree with their view, and you threw them out. Mm. As, as someone, I, I heard an old man saying, look here, man, when we play and you feel unhappy, don't throw your toys out of the court because what you do then, you, you prevent the game from continuing to, to play. So I, I thought that it's an important point to make there, that uh, 13 political parties inside the, the House, they must all at all times work together. And I know that they agree on one thing, that they must hold the executive, including the president, to account. The specifics of when and how that happens is what they should be working around. And the speaker has communicated to them that I agree with you 100% that we must hold the president accountable as well as all the other members of the executive but let's find a way of doing it in the most appropriate manner that will enable all of us to hear and the public must hear what they say the questions about payment and stuff i thought that was the subject of the committees in front of parliament reports were made and they've been communicated to the executive to come back the public protector herself did not have an idea of uh, how much the president must pay if he must uh, in the first place. But those things have been subjected to committee work in the House. Now, we are expecting responses to those things, and we hope that they'll be addressed in the debates that are going to come. I think, uh, no, no, we can't say that it's pointless to have an opposition, even if we don't like people's views. 
they 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 will shape our views even better when we have opposition to our views uh, as i said we do not hold monopoly to wisdom of resolution of any problems but let's agree on the process of dealing with the pr- things that we disagree with um uh, and this is a very important point that i think many people will accept um Yes, no, no. Uh, uh, I, I, I just want to restate this point. When we get elected uh, by the House, uh, uh, we were elected in the House by uh, all political parties involved and so on. And so, uh, and it was known that we are, uh, those of us who are now presiding officers are from the ANC. So the, uh, those decisions having been made, uh, we can't keep going back to that issue. We have responsibility ourselves to act objectively. There's nothing inherently, uh, uh, an inherent inability of ANC members to act objectively. Mm. We think that we are acting as objectively as we can do because those rules in the first place are reviewable uh, in the courts. So we can't take decisions that can be, uh, if we take decisions that are not according to our own rules, for example, that thing can be challenged in court. And it wouldn't make sense for me as a presiding officer, like for the speaker, for the uh, other presiding officers. This is the the responsibility that we have to act objectively, even if it comes from the majority party. Equally, uh, Honorable Gordy, who chairs the Public Accounts Committee, is a member of the APC. He must act objectively and not only favor his own personal views above the views that would be supported, broadly speaking, in the House. I'm mentioning it because he belongs to a different political party in the House, chairs a committee, Mm. and so on. And in all other provincial structures, I think when we take charge of these things, let's uh, look at the unwisdom of taking uh, uh, unobjective decisions because they can come back to us. Uh, we must be credited with some, uh, yeah, okay. Just a quick one. Someone wants to know, will you miss uh, Godrich Gadi when he goes to uh, take over the uh, SG's position in the EFF? Will you miss him in Parliament? Um, I wish I could say that uh, because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me not go into the individual <laughs> conduct of members. I deal with that in the house every time. So I'm here as a, as a presiding officer. Thank you very much, Sakina. And there is where we're going to leave it. Well, hope you are clearer than you were when we started this conversation about what is likely to develop on the 12th of February 2015, which is when President Jacob Zuma will be delivering the, uh, be delivering the State of the Nation address, and that also marks the opening of of Parliament. So, thanks for your participation as always. Thanks to our esteemed guest this morning, Deputy Speaker of Parliament, Mr. Lichisa Chinori, and also to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear.